Good morning, friends. How are we doing? You guys sound wonderful. It is, uh, it's good to be here today. Uh, looking nice outside. I've got my brand new uh, summer shirt on. I hope it's not too loud. I was kind of working on that, see if it was or not. Uh, but yeah, hey, if we, if we haven't met, my name is Dave Maxey. I'm one of the staff here at Trinity. Uh, and just glad, glad to be with you here this morning, whether you're joining online or whether you're here in person. We've actually been in a series throughout this summer called You Asked For It. And what we've done is we've just taken some time to get questions from you guys. What, what are kind of some of the big rocks, some of the big questions that we might have as we walk with the Lord that we would love to just have answered? And so we've kind of been combing through a study of various questions. Today we're going to be talking about how can I know God's will for my life. And so as we jump in, I want to invite you to pray with me one more time as we begin. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we just pause in this moment, even as BT said, and as Emmanuel and this is the team, we just, we do continue in our worship, our response to who you are and what you've done through our submission and our sacrifice. That's what we continue to do this morning. We want to see you, Jesus, clearly today even more clearly. We want to recognize your, your leading, your call to repent where that's needed, your call to just grow, and we want your transformation in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you feel fresh and new? Would you make us attentive to your voice this morning? In your name I pray, amen. So as a kid, my mom used to tell this story, which is kind of a modern day parable. Perhaps you've heard it. I want to read it to us this morning. It goes like this. A storm descends on a small town, and the downpour soon turns into a flood. As the waters rise, the local preacher kneels in prayer on the church porch surrounded by water. The waters continue to rise, and one of the town folks paddles up the street in a canoe. Better get in, preacher. The waters are coming fast. No, says the preacher. I have faith in the Lord. He will save me. Still, the waters rise. Now the preacher is up to the balcony, wringing his hands in supplication when another guy zips by in a motorboat. Come on, preacher, we need to get you out of here. The levee is going to break any minute. Once again, the preacher is unmoved. I shall remain. The Lord will see me through. After a while, the levee breaks. A flood rushes over the church building until only the steeple remains above the water. The preacher is up there clinging to the cross when a helicopter descends out of the clouds and a a state trooper calls down to him through a megaphone, grab the ladder, preacher. This is your last chance. Once again, the preacher insists, the Lord will deliver me. And predictably, the preacher drowns. A pious man, he goes to heaven. After a while, he gets an interview with God, and he asks the Lord Almighty, Lord, I had unwavering faith in you. Why didn't you deliver me from that flood? God shakes his head. What do you want from me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter, and you didn't take them. How many times are we, are we confused about God's will? Like, I, I think, God, you're leading over here, and maybe it's this circumstance, but yet maybe you, you're saying this, and I'm just kind of waiting, and yet I, I think you're calling me to, to step forward, and yet I'm just, I'm confused, and, and I just don't even know, right? How many times have we kind of found ourselves in this place where we're trying to sort out God's will? And so that, that brings me really to our first question this morning. How can I know God's specific will for my life? And I would say what we're really asking here is not just this kind of general ethereal blue sky question. What we're really saying is, am I specifically doing what God wants me to do in this life, like right now? 
How do I know if the opportunities before me, if they're God's uh, opportunities, the doors that maybe he's opening or doors that he is closing, uh, how do I know what I'm supposed to do or what I'm not supposed to do? How do I know if I'm going to make the wrong choice and what happens if I do make the wrong choice? Is there a wrong choice? These are all questions that we will do our best uh, to answer today, uh, Lord willing, as we continue on because you asked for it, uh, hence our series today. And so, you know, I want to start with this. How, how does God reveal his will to us? And my hope to just kind of give us some nice, clean handles that we can hold on to. I want to simplify it like this. There's really, there's really one way that the Holy Spirit speak to us, uh, speaks to us, uh, that God speaks to us, and it is through the person of the Holy Spirit. So God reveals his will really in one method, and that is through the, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you, you're in the building of Trinity Church. We believe that God is one person. Uh, God is one being in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit given to us that we would know the will of God. Now here's, as we unpack this, uh, it's interesting to understand a couple things. As the Holy Spirit speaks to us first, God really does want us to know his will. He really does want us to know his will. And here's the thing, I, I don't know if you've ever played this card game, it's a card, it's a card game called Mao. my wife loves it. Not true, it's completely facetious, she absolutely hates it. Here's why. The reason she does not like the card game called Mao is because it is a game that when you break the rules, you get penalized by getting more cards. The only rule you know is the goal is to get rid of the cards. And so I have seen godly Christian folk cuss like sailors trying to figure out the rules of this game uh, because they're, they're, getting, they're breaking the rules left and right. And here's the thing, part of the game is to figure out the rules as you go along, but you continue to get penalized for not knowing the rules. Here's the thing, God is not Mao. God is not up in heaven going, hey, I'm just God and I can do what I want and I just want to see you flounder and kind of figure it out as you go along. That is absolutely not the case. His desire is that you and I would know his will and be empowered to do it. And we could, we could back up a little bit and say, okay, so it is the Holy Spirit who reveals God's will to us. And here's what I would say. The primary way that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and I is through the Bible. It is through God's written word. It, is, it, is, it, would, it would just be words on a page were it not for the Holy Spirit, right? As we, as we open God's word, it is actually the Holy Spirit that enlightens our hearts to understand what God, the God of the universe is saying to you and I. So ultimately, again, it is the Holy Spirit who reveals to us God's will, God's purpose for our lives in many, many, many things that we could talk through today. But this is the primary part we'll springboard off of, and God reveals his will first through the Bible. Now, God's word is actually God's, God's revealing to us who he is. It's God revealing to us what he's done, his character, his nature, his heart, all of the things that, that is encompassing God. It reveals to us what he's done, what he continues to do, and these are the things that you and I need to know so that we can understand how we are to respond to him. If you have a Bible, we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 13. If not, it'll be on the screens behind me. Hebrews chapter 13, I want to begin in verse 20. And here's what God's word says. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, which speaks to what God has already done, 
Verse 21, may he equip you with every good thing, speaking to what God is currently doing, that you may do his will, which now speaks to how you and I are to respond to him, that he is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to read that one more time so we can kind of hear this in one, uh, one conjunction here. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as, as we look at the Bible, as we study God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's this big 30,000-foot-up picture that I think we can, we can jump off today. and We could say, okay, well, what is the will of God? If the will of God is something that the Holy Spirit reveals to me, and he does that first through the Bible, what is really kind of the start of God's will for my life? We can see this in the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, and looking at verse 37. Jesus says this, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I think one framework that we can begin with really in this 30,000 foot big picture view of what is God's will is first to understand that his will is always about learning to love him more and loving others more. So when I have a decision to make, when I've, when I've got things like where should I work or where should I go to school, should I retire, or if I retire, what am I going to do when I retire? Should I stay single? Should I do this new thing, maybe start this podcast, this new business that I'm thinking about starting? What should I do with my free time as if that were actually a thing? What do I do with the gifts, the talents that God is giving me? And all of those questions that go on and on and on, the first lens that we can process the, the decision making that we must decide through, is, is my decision, will it love God more, will it help me to love God more, and will it help others uh, to be loved more by me and, and reveal God's love to them more? This is that, that first lens, and we can kind of start at this and we'll begin to, to drill down a little bit here more today. The beauty is this, is again, God is not a God of mouth where we have to guess. There are many, many, many other things that the Bible tells us very clearly that we could understand the will of God. Now, we do not have time to go through everything. Let me just read a few things that, that we know for certain the Bible speaks of directly. The Bible speaks about giving and finances, about leadership, parenting, our sexuality, suffering, sickness, anger, worry, friendship, discipline. The Bible speaks about faith and, and hope and contentment regardless of our situation, about sin and repentance, about prayer and spiritual maturity, about offense in our thought life and, and heaven and hell, and we can go on and on and on and on. Here's the caveat, though, of all these things. Now, I want you to kind of drill in, eyeball me here for a moment. If you're, if you're looking online, uh, look here. As we talk about this, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the will of God. He reveals to us God's will first and foremost through the Bible, but we have to read his word first to understand his will, right? 
And you might say, well, duh, Dave, like we're in church, we all know that. Yeah, but you know what? If you and I, and I'm guilty of this at times and seasons as well, if we spend days, weeks, months, even years not opening God's word, it would be no wonder that when we're faced with decisions, sometimes it's confusing and we're not sure what to do. The first way the Spirit speaks to us is through God's Word. You and I have to have a habit in our life of where we're consistently opening God's Word because the challenge is not that is God speaking. The challenge is are we listening? You know, we, we might have many questions about various things. One of the things that we're doing in this series is we're kind of putting all these resources together. Uh, if you're wondering, like, uh, all this information that we talked about in this series, you can go to wearetrinity.com forward slash resources, and you'll find more information about all the different topics that we covered th- to this point and we'll continue to add in the rest of this series. There's a great website called gotquestions.org, and a lot of these very specific questions that the Bible talks about, uh, you can go there and literally cite, uh, type in, like, what does God say about heaven? Boom, boom, boom. And you'll get some great information on there. Uh, again, there's more resources that we have uh, as well that we'll continue to provide. All of this, as we look at God's word, is the power of the Holy Spirit transforming our heart to be more sensitive to, to what God is saying in our life, to his will, his purpose, how we are to respond. Uh, and I love Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, do not be conformed to this world. You know, if we are constantly and only surrounded by the thoughts and the patterns and the processes of this world, we begin to be conformed. We begin to be shaped by everything that the world has to offer. And yet scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And here's how, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and what is perfect. And the number one way that you and I do that and listen to the voice of God through the person of the Holy Spirit is through his word. Now, we, we might be able to easily wrap our heads around that. We know that we've always maybe potentially got to shore up the processes and what seems to often be a struggle of, of consistently spending in God's word. And I would say you're not alone if this is a struggle that you have. Uh, but okay, Dave, I, I understand the Holy Spirit speaks through God's word. Uh, I, read, I read the God's word and like I find kind of the decisions that I need to make in all these areas. But what happens uh, if the Bible doesn't specifically talk about the direction that I need? And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time here today. God will also reveal his will through the Holy Spirit directly. Now, here's what I mean by this. The Holy Spirit will also speak directly, not just through God's word, but also to the heart of the believer. And we'll begin to unpack this as we go here today. Uh, Know this, though, and as we kind of comb through this framework, the Holy Spirit will never speak to you in ways that are contrary to what is written in the word of God. This is important to understand. And so, uh, you know, Lord, I need a new car. And I walk by this Mercedes and I look down and the keys are in the dash. Lord, provide it. No, nope, that's, that's, that's not the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, the Bible would say thou shalt not steal. That's what you're about ready to do, right? And so God is always congruent. His spirit is always congruent as he speaks to us, but he will speak to us directly and specifically. So as we look at kind of this, this simple framework, do my choices, do they love God, do they love people, do they line up with Scripture, right? Do they line up with Scripture? And underneath this framework, which, by the way, we should consider a very normal thing to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
it, it's interesting in my own life and the, just the season that it's taken me years and years to get to the place where the light bulb has come down on by the grace of God. You know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that was present upon this earth, that as, as the, the words were spoken to form this earth into nothing, into something, through the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. It is perfectly a normative thing to think and to understand, to believe and live in such a way that the spirit who lives in me will also speak to my spirit. And so even though we have a framework, we, we line all things up as the spirit speaks to his word, he will always be congruent, know that he will speak to us in very specific ways. Often uh, what is not necessarily normative is my sensitivity to hear his voice. So, uh, the Holy Spirit really does speak in many ways. First, God's Word. Uh, we could look at a lot of different ways and spend a lot of different time. I want to narrow in on, on a handful of things today that I think are, are really important as it comes to maybe the decisions that we make. We know that God speaks through His creation. and God speaks in, in many other ways. Uh, we're going to deal first and foremost with this. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak through personal leading and direction. And this is specific to circumstances. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Paul talking about his ministry and the things that, that God was leading and, and using him to do. And here's what it says. And behold, now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonments and afflictions await me. So this is Paul talking about, even though it wasn't necessarily the most encouraging thing, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, as you go to this city, Paul saying, the Holy Spirit would testify that there are afflictions and there, are, there is imprisonment waiting to me. This is a very clear portion in scripture where it is the Holy Spirit speaking directly, specifically to, he was constrained by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us very specific direction in very specific situations in our life if we are willing to listen, if we train ourselves as we read moments ago, to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, sometimes we wrestle with this. Let me just tell you, uh, you know, three of the biggest decisions that I've ever had to make in my life. One, did I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, which I have? Two, who do I marry? And three, should I go to Big Boy on a Sunday evening in 1999? Now, the reason I say that, as I explain this a little bit more, uh, I would say this, that I am in full-time ministry following what I would say is the, the will of God for my life today, 21 years later after a decision I made, uh, prior to that decision because I went to Big Boy on a Sunday evening. So my wife and I were married in 1999. Just a few uh, weeks of our honeymoon, and we, uh, we got back in town, and we decided to attend a new church. And, and as we began to attend that, that church, uh, one of the very first Sunday evenings, we met a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Baxter, and uh, Mike and I just kind of began to talk a little bit. After service, Mike came up to me and said, hey, here's the thing. A group of us go to the Big Boy restaurant, and we just want to invite you and your wife to come join us uh, at Big Boy uh, after service. Now, I did what you do when it's awkward and weird, and you just, you know, you don't want to go through those first initial moments of knowing something. Someone. I just said, hey, thanks for the invite. No thanks. Uh, we're just going to head home, right? And, uh, and so my wife and I got in the car, Bethany and I. I remember it was a cold evening. There was snow blowing, and we're just driving down the road, and we continue to drive and drive. I, we might have been about 11 miles or so uh, from the church at that point. And I remember just about rounding uh, the, one of the last corners toward home, and I just remember thinking and sensing and just feeling what I would say is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go to the big boy restaurant. 
And I kind of wrestled with that just a little bit and continued to drive. And we were, we were just a little bit from home at that point, almost on the last road. And, and I remember turning to Bethany at some point after kind of wrestling you know, and saying, look, I, I think we're supposed to go to the big boy restaurant. And, uh, you know, gentlemen, how important it is to have a, a godly woman in your life. She didn't argue with me. Um, she, she said, okay, like, sounds good. And, and we turned around and we went to big boy. So as we go to the Big Boy restaurant, a little bit of context, uh, for quite some time at that point in my life, uh, I was working at Taco Bell doing some management. I had a long line of hats and name tags at that point, and and, uh, I had realized that God was pulling me in some places uh, for a vocation that I was not currently in, and I just didn't know how to get there. I I was wrestling with the fact that I just, I'd been at Taco Bell for three years, and I just didn't like it. I couldn't stand it, Uh, and one thing you may need to be aware that you might not know about me. I I consider myself to be highly educated, but I don't have a formal education uh, in some of the things that I'm doing here today. Uh, I would have the education of a first century fisherman having spent time with Jesus is what I would say. Uh, And uh, and at that point in my life, I thought, Lord, I was really wrestling. God, something's got to change. Like, I I just can't be doing this forever. And I know there's there's more direction that you have for me. I just uh, reveal that to me. What is that? So as we are in this evening, we, we decide to go to the Big Boy restaurant. We come into the, the Big Boy. We open the doors, and we look back, and they had actually saved two seats for us. We're, we were back there. We could see the, the group that was in the back of the room. And so I walk in. I sit down next to Mike Baxter. And, hey, you know, glad that you guys could come. And uh, I make conversation. My first question to Mike was, hey, what do you do for a job? You know, where do you work? Now, this was his response. Where do I work? Why? Are you looking for a job? Well, as a matter of fact, yeah, I, I am looking for a job. Uh, talk to me. Like, and we began to have this conversation. I found out that Mike was co-owner with him and his brothers and his father for a manufacturing company. Uh, and, and so they were just right up the road. And we began to talk. And, and he kind of said, well, we're actually looking for uh, a person that could do some, some AutoCAD drawing. Is that anything that you can do? Like, are you good with computers? Uh, and I kind of jokingly said, well, I'm, I'm great with computers. I've never drawn CAD. But, you know, if, if you would give me a chance to learn, I, I guarantee I could figure it out. I was kind of joking at that point. And he said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you come over uh, Monday and let's talk? Okay. So uh, I, I kind of went there the next day, and, uh, and as the conversation went, uh, he basically said, here's the deal. This is what we're looking for. Uh, they, they would build these kind of giant saws that would drop a whole entire tree on it, and, and what we want to do is we want someone that can draw the parts of this saw in 3D while we, draw it, while we build it in, in real life. And I said, okay, well, give me Google, the help manual, and I'll, I'll kind of figure that out. And, and so they literally gave me the time to do that. And, and here's the interesting thing. Mike Baxter, his, his father, Chuck Baxter, worked at the church that we were attending. And as we began to go, and, and over that course of that year, God began to, to pull my heart towards some of the things and the opportunities that were there. It eventually came that there was a part-time opportunity to, to begin to move toward ministry at that church. I had been at Baxter Manufacturing for one year. Uh, they were making some, some decisions, and Chuck, the owner, uh, was also a trustee and very uh, involved in the church and actually made a recommendation that Trinity, uh, that, that the church church at that point should really consider uh, hiring me and bringing me in that, that the church that we were attending. And that is actually what opened the door for eventually my ordination three years later for me to, uh, to now be in 21 years of full-time ministry today. The Holy Spirit will speak in personal, intimate ways if we're willing to listen. And it's interesting as I look back over those seasons, there are many decisions like that 
and then in the moment, they didn't feel very big. They didn't feel very grand. And yet, uh, as I look back, the, the Lord used them today. Another way that the Holy Spirit speaks is through the door of wisdom. Again, first through Scripture. Uh, in this way, one of the other ways that we just talked about, that personal leading through the Holy Spirit. And another way is the Holy Spirit can speak through the door of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. So God has given what many scholars would just refer to as a common grace uh, to, to mankind. A common grace is the fact that, that all good things are from God. Common grace is things like what your doctor might possess, whether they may or may not be a Christ follower, what your mechanic or your CPA should possess. Uh, you know, should I, how much should I spend on replacing that muffler bearing in my car? Well, the answer is none because there's no such thing as a muffler bearing. So I'm sorry if you paid for that invoice. There's a common grace wisdom there that it says, hey, uh, if this is the decision that you have to make, God has actually given a common grace of wisdom in other people that have experience, uh, that have knowledge that maybe you and I don't have that we can rely on, but that is no less the Holy Spirit. Uh, recently, my wife and I uh, just decided we've had some uh, goals as a family, just kind of talking about some things. We love camping from time to time. We have uh, a you know, family of seven plus a dog who contributes nothing, uh, but we... <clears throat> We go camping, we take the whole crew, and we actually have a tent that sleeps five queens. And if you've ever been camping with just a couple of people, you know it's a lot of work. If you've been camping with seven people and a dog, it's really a lot of work. And so we just decided, like, we, uh, we would love to be able to do more of that in a simpler way. So we, we decided we had a, kind of a number in mind. We would go see if we could find a camper. Uh, we actually landed on a, a camper that seemed like it was, it was kind of hitting the goals that we were after. Looked at it on paper and decided to go out and take a look at it. Uh, we got there, and like the size and everything seemed just about right. And, and uh, as we were kind of talking, I'm looking at numbers. You know, as a, as a guy, you're looking at the weight of the camper, and I'm kind of trying to figure out, can I pull this? And, and uh, I noticed that the, the weight of the camper on the side of the camper was a different number than uh, what the gentleman had said to me uh, over the phone in kind of the, the early uh, conversations. And it's uh, Bethany, my smeller not very good, but she noticed there was kind of a smell in the camper, right? And so it's always good and helpful to know. And, and so we, we got to kind of got talking afterwards and, and ultimately um, working with the bank and kind of looking at some values of the numbers, we found that they were asking way more than really what the camper itself was worth. And it actually made the decision, do we go with this one or do we continue looking very simple and easy? But it was all through the door of wisdom, there were certain decisions along the way. Uh, we weren't sure if we could take care of the smell. Uh, it definitely, they were asking far more than what we wanted. They weren't willing to budge on the price. And probably if I hooked up my vehicle to it, I would have not been able to pull it out of their driveway uh, because it was much heavier than what we originally thought it was. That was through the avenue in the door of wisdom. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Maybe you, you have uh, some health issues in your body, right? And, and it might not feel like a very spiritual thing sometimes to find out what is going on. I, I assure you that that is the voice of the Holy Spirit, even using the wisdom that God has given other people. You might, you might have decisions of finances that you need to make or other things that maybe sometimes don't feel spiritual, and yet nonetheless, they are the Spirit of God that can use those things to speak to you and I through the avenue of wisdom. And Proverbs says, whatever you do, Find that wisdom. Get that insight. Another way that the Holy Spirit will speak is the Holy Spirit will speak through other people. Now, this can kind of be a tricky one. 
Now remember, we're building a framework here. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit speaks through His Word. We have to measure all things through His Word. One simple way of looking at that, we can look at, is that helping me love God more, loving others more? We can look at some very specific things in His Word to help define that more. As we get to the place where God can use other people, uh, there is a place where Many times when God uses another person to speak to you and I, it is a very confirming thing about God's will and God's direction in our life. There could be times where God might use another person to call me to repent, uh, and maybe there's some things in my life that I haven't seen, and God would use another person to do that. Uh, and I would, I would venture to say that even that is something that, that might be confirming, even if I don't like to hear it. But here's the thing, God can use other people. This is not on the screen, but Acts 21 says this in verse 4, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Holy Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, this is a story without all of the the context. Paul was continuing to follow God's leading for his uh, life in the way of ministry that God uh, had called him to. And and even the interesting part of this story, Paul did what those that felt they heard from the Holy Spirit, uh, they they felt don't go there. We think the Holy Spirit is saying this is what's going to happen when you go there. Paul still felt that he should go there. What they said was going to happen did happen and take place. It wasn't really positive for Paul, but what Paul knew was it was still the will of God. And we see in this account that this was a place where God used other people to speak to Paul to confirm even the things that the Holy Spirit was already saying. So when I, uh, as I talk about not necessarily having a formal education, one of the things that uh, I took a year uh, when I graduated high school, I did some vocational training and automotive stuff and it felt like maybe I would do that. And yet, um, you know, I just, I was kind of saying, God, what do you want for my life? What is your will? And during that time and that season, I really felt like I, I sensed the Lord saying, where I'm taking you, I will equip you along the way. Looking back to this day, that has actually been the case, uh, more through the lines of mentorship and other men and women who have helped me along the way. But I do remember in those early days when I was, uh, I was specifically kind of seeking God, I had, I had been singing, I had been playing guitar and keyboard and doing some things. I had my own band. I was, I was singing in different places. And, and God began to turn my heart and shape my heart toward using those things within the church and the body of Christ more for worship rather than entertainment. And I, I, was, I was wrestling, like, what does that look like? And, and it seemed like every time I would try to, try to go down and, and help someone with those gifts, they just didn't, they didn't, it didn't click, and, and they didn't have the opportunity that I thought God was leading me. And I remember one night I was just praying. I said, God, like, will anyone ever use my gifts? Like, it, like is, is this, I know you're leading me this way, but it just feels like, will anyone ever give me an opportunity to, to step out into this space, into this place? And I was, you know, I was kind of having a pity party, uh, like you do sometimes with, uh, with the Lord that evening. Not too long following that, my wife and I and a group of friends uh, were invited to spend time uh, in a, a Christian fellowship called Chi Alpha that was meeting uh, at CMU in Michigan here. This is in Mount Pleasant area. And we were invited to go and we, we kind of went into this room, a bunch of young people, maybe a group about this size that were worshiping. And uh, it, you know, it was a great experience and we, we kind of made a habit of that, being invited. And this particular one was the first time we'd gone in this larger room. I, I walk in this room, we're, we're kind of sitting in seats and, and I notice up at the stage, there's a gentleman that I'd never met that was kind of playing drums. And uh, have you ever kind of looked in a crowd of person of, of, of a group like this, maybe, and you, you make eye contact with someone, and then you look back again, and they're still looking, and, and you're kind of this, like, am I staring at you? Or are you staring at me? And you're, you're kind of looking back and forth. I had one of those moments uh, with a gentleman by the name of Nate. He was playing drums and doing, and he would look, you know, and I'm, 
Like, and I'm along, we're, we're, we're kind of toward the back, and uh, it wasn't too long, the, the night goes on, and it just worshiping, and like he's, he's kind of doing this thing, eyeballing me the whole night, and, and finally as it gets over, Nate comes up to me afterwards, um, and he begins to say uh, to the tune of, hey, you know, um, I know you've never met, my name's Nate, nice to meet you, uh, introduce myself, hey, I feel like um, the Lord was telling me that you've been praying some things to him, and like you're really concerned, does he have a ministry for you, and is there an avenue there for you, and I just feel like the Lord would tell me, yes, uh, he absolutely absolutely does have some open doors for you. And I want to invite you to some of the things that we're, uh, we're doing here. And actually that was, I, I began to play drums for that ministry. Uh, I began to kind of turn some of the things that I was doing in my life toward that is a pivotal moment in my life. God used a person that I'd never met before in my life to not only give me direction, but to literally tell me the very things that I was praying word for word to God alone the night before or the days before. God can use other people to speak to you and I. It was an extremely confirming thing. It was a very encouraging thing. So as the Holy Spirit speaks, I, no doubt we have a few more questions. We'll answer a couple of those as we wind down. Another question here, does God speak through circumstances? Can he, can he reveal his will through circumstances? Now, I would say that this one is kind of a tricky one, and my recommendation is this. You, you may have heard some of these resources. If you have not been part of uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I would highly, highly recommend both the book, even the class here at Trinity. Uh, I would say this. There are, there are spaces where, um, as we talk about emotions and circumstances and looking at, like, what do I, how do I determine what God wants me to do? There's, there's some complexity in this space. There really is. The thing about circumstances is sometimes we will have a tendency to look for things we want to see. Uh, I've heard this like, oh, you know, I thought I made God's uh, choice for my life, and yet this, this was really hard, so it must not be God. Uh, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I was really questioning whether this was God, but it, it was really easy, so it must have been God. That may or may not be the case. And I would just caution us that, that there is a place in circumstances, can God close a door? Yes, he can. Can God open a door? Absolutely. But again, as we look at this lens, we start from the top. Is, is this decision something that lines up with God's word? Is it, is it something that helps me love him and love others? And even through the avenue of wisdom, is there, more, is there more to maybe the circumstances that I would require? It would be helpful for another brother or sister to come alongside and offer some wisdom. There are times when circumstances can, uh, can be a leading of God, but we must apply the framework to, to all of these things. A second to that, another question, does God lead through my personal desires and emotions? Uh, one of the reasons why I mentioned emotionally healthy spirituality is because I think one of the things I love about that class and that book is it, it actually is super helpful to sort out how do I actually recognize maybe some of the things that I'm feeling or maybe some of the things that I'm experiencing in my body that God is actually able to use to then show me spaces where I need his transformation. So God can speak to me through emotions and desires. Again, do they, do they line up with his word? Do they, do they love him more? Do they help me love others more? And in those spaces, sometimes the way I feel, the way I desire is, is something that the Holy Spirit can use to, to bring to light some places that I need to repent, that I need to surrender, that I need to, I need to dive deeper and look at. He, is, he can actually use those places, places to do that. And yet I'm very careful that, that, again, we put all these things through that framework. I don't simply uh, make decisions only on my emotions. 
Christians alone, you know, if we all did that, it'd be a pretty rough place, wouldn't it, right? Uh, every time we get mad and I feel like I just punch in the face, right? Like, every, like, hey, I really like that new purse. I'm just going to take it because I feel like it's, you know, I deserve it, right? We can't live on just the way that we feel alone, and yet there are places in there where the Holy Spirit can use how we feel, what our, what our body's experiencing even physically sometimes to reveal to us that there's some things we need to pay attention to in submission to his word, in submission to the Holy Spirit, and even through the avenue and the door of wisdom. Another big question that we'll, uh, we'll wind down with, what happens, Dave, uh, if I make a wrong choice? What happens if I make a wrong choice? I think this is one that oftentimes we look and, and we, we often are tempted to look at things through the avenue of fear and, and through the avenue of anxiety. And, and sometimes we are faced with opportunities that all look like good opportunities. And there's this, oh my goodness, what if I make the wrong choice? And I would bring our attention to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, there is a place where maybe the Bible doesn't expressly say this is what you should do. There is a place where, uh, where maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't really given super, super duper clear direction. There is a place uh, where maybe the decision I make, uh, there's lots of wisdom in either direction or either choice. There is a place where the Lord would just say, Make the decision, and I will work all things together for the good of those who love me. Matthew 28, Jesus tells us even when he left his earth suit and sent the Holy Spirit, I am with you even to the end of the earth. Sometimes there are decisions that God doesn't say, you need to do this or this. God just simply says, I'm, I'm with you. And as we step out in faith, it, it could be tempting to be paralyzed by fear, but don't be paralyzed by fear. Instead, step out in faith. And it's, it's easy as we process the many decisions that are before us. You know, one other question I will kind of side, sidestep answer. Um, does God speak through visions and dreams? Does God speak through visions and dreams? You know, I would say clearly as we look through uh, the corridor of Scripture, there are many places where actually God also spoke through, through dreams, the dream of Joseph. We can look at uh, the things that impacted uh, all of the history of Joseph and, and, and his dream of, of being ruling over his brothers. We could look at Mary and Joseph and in the time where the Spirit of God or the angel of God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Yes, Mary Mary, right? Uh, she is, she's with child, being uh, the Messiah who is yet to come. We can look at places in Scripture where, uh, where God actually spoke to the disciples and Paul and, and there are dreams that happen in those uh, in environments where this is what life is going to look like now and the body of Christ is going to look a little different now. And God actually used a dream to do that. Once again, do those dreams line up with Scripture? Do they accord uh, with loving God, loving people? Uh, years ago, I had a dream one night, and uh, I, in my dream, I looked down and I saw what looked like two, two pieces of metal that just kind of came together in a V, and uh, as I looked down on the, the metal, I saw just hundreds and hundreds of bees. Now, I'm allergic to bees, um, and, and so uh, bees stinging me is not super awesome, uh, but I just, I, I had a dream like that one night, and, and later on, uh, my dad said, hey, could you give me a hand with something at, at the house? And so I, I went over to his house, I was helping him out, and so he needed to move a camper, and so uh, he was having an issue with the wiring, and so I bent down to kind of take a look at the wiring in the front of the hitch, and I remember the dream, and I remember 
remember the two shapes of the piece of metal on that dream as I'm getting ready to, to kind of put my hand underneath here. And I stopped for a minute and I looked down through the hole of, of this hitch to see hundreds of bees, the same bees that I saw in my dream inside this hitch. Can God speak in dreams? Certainly he can. That dream wasn't in discord with Scripture. It, it was something that certainly uh, in that moment remembering that dream stopped me from putting my hand into a bee's nest, right? Uh, and I kind of backed up and, and thank you, Lord, for that one. So God can do that as well. But all of these, often we kind of hit this gridlock space like, what if I make the wrong choice? I'm, I'm just going to mess it up. And the Lord would say, you know what? I am with you. I will lead you. I will work all things together for your good. Trust me, we've not been given the spirit of fear. And in these places, when, it, when it's not expressly written out in a verse, we can trust that he will lead along the way. He will provide along the way as we step out in faith. One last area where we'll close today, where we clearly see God's will written out in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 5 says this. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, this is God's will right here, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This is God's will for his creation, for all mankind that we would come to a saving knowledge of him. That saving knowledge for, for some in the sound of my voice here today, it might be the start of that saving knowledge. Maybe you have never repented of your sin and, and maybe you've never recognized that, that a perfect and holy God created you with a purpose. And yet, like all of us, we have rebelled against him. We have, we have chosen to be our own God. And that rebellion, the Bible says, is what separates us from our maker. The very fulfillment we have as a creation comes in knowing our creator. And yet our sin would separate us from that. And for you, the will of God, knowing God's desire and that salvation might be for the first time trusting that Jesus went to the cross made the payment for your sin, for my sin, so that you, right now in this moment, could begin to know God in a personal way, would receive his spirit as part of the body of Christ. That might be the choice that you need to surrender to today because the Holy Spirit is always speaking to you and already speaking to you this morning. For some of us, that, that decision of, of this saving grace present in our life might just be a resetting of posture. God, I've, I've spent too much time looking at the world through my own wisdom, looking at the world through my own eyes, not regularly spending time to hear your voice, reading your word, and I just, I need to turn from that. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me in a new way. Your saving grace is not just a moment in time that starts and ends, but it's a, a moment that God invades your life and you and I become part of his story for all eternity. That saving grace applies to our, our consistent life of repentance, and maybe that's you here this morning. Does fear or worry or anxiety, are those the things that drive your decision? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. We can surrender those things and trust that the Spirit of God will lead, that the Spirit of God is present, that he never leaves us or forsakes us. His desire is that all which in the Greek means all people come to a saving knowledge of him. So the question we would end with is for you this morning, what is the next right thing that the Holy Spirit would lead you and ask you to do this morning?
I would invite our prayer team and, and elders if they could come down, and we're going we're gonna to close our time in prayer here today. I want to invite you to stand with us as we do. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He is revealing his will to you and I. Are we listening? Regardless of the, the direction and the decision he may be asking of you this morning, uh, the voice of God is here and present to lead you. What is that next right step for you? It might be first-time repentance and just know him in a personal way and surrender. It might be, yeah, there's some decisions I need his wisdom on. There's some, there's some things I need to slow down and stop and listen to his voice on. Whatever that is in your life, I, I want to pray for us. And we just want to surrender our, our moments in, in this time to the Lord as we close this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you speak through your spirit. You have not left us to, to wonder You've not left us to fear, and you, you have our backs in more ways than we understand. When we, when we decide things, Lord, that we feel are, are in accordance to your word, and they love you more, and they love others more, and yet they weren't spelled out in a specific verse. When we, when we go down that road, we can trust that you will lead along the way, you'll provide along the way, and ultimately you'll make us look more like Jesus in that journey. I pray for my friends here today. I pray for those that are wrestling. How to do I surrender my life to you for the first time? Your spirit's power is present, that that, that saving grace is there right now for that person. Lord, may that be the case. For those of us that just need your wisdom and direction and, and maybe a decision that seems pressing, Lord, your spirit's saving grace is present here right now that we would hear your voice and your direction. And we surrender that to you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming to Friends. We'll see you back next week.